Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. Happy Easter. How's everybody doing today? Everybody doing amazing? You look great. You sounded amazing while we were singing. I asked several times, I just stopped and listened to you sing. It was almost overwhelming. I'm excited that you're here. You could have been anywhere else today, but you chose Journey. We want to say thank you. It's our privilege, actually. It's our, it's our privilege uh, to be a part of today. And so it's interesting to me um, because I was watching um, uh, after our Good Friday. How many people were on a Good Friday service Friday night? It was, man, a lot of people. It was great. I mean, Pastor Keith brought it. Like, I thought T.D. Jakes was up here. Like, he was throwing down. I, like, he was a football coach. I don't know if you guys know this. He was a football coach beforehand. I wanted to play football right then. I'm like, I, I got four years of eligibility. If Georgia calls me, I'm ready to go. But like, after that, he was like, wow. And so, but I went home and I just kind of settled down a little bit. And I was, I was watching TV and I was flipping through actually some things on my on Facebook or whatever it was, and I saw a couple big churches that they were simulcasting their their Friday services, and lots of churches, especially bigger churches, and um, they don't do like a Good Friday service and an Easter service. It's just part of their big weekend. And, but the pastor of this really large church, he's a great guy, and like this, I understand exactly what he was saying, but he made a comment that kind of caught me a little bit off guard. Do you ever have those moments where you just go like, I understand what you're saying, but it just didn't, it didn't sit well. He said this, we all know why we're here. We all know why we're here. You know what I realized? We all don't know why we're here. As a matter of fact, the majority of the world doesn't even understand why we're together this morning. And it was interesting. This past week, I was watching uh, the History Channel. And I was watching on the History Channel. I was watching the 10 greatest moments in the course of history. And there was some, I'm talking substantial. I don't want to negate any of these. And, and also, I don't expect the History Channel to understand religion either, okay? So I just want to make that clear. But they talked about the 10 greatest moments. The number one greatest moment, uh, a lot of us remember this is 9-11, right? You can almost remember exactly where you were at. You remember who you were with. You probably remember grabbing your family. You probably prayed together. You probably were scared. There was all kinds of emotions that happened. Some of the other ones were, I, I remember this a little bit. I was probably four or five years old, but I remember, I remember Martin Luther King and the I Have a Dream speech. And that was one of the, the top greatest moment, 10 greatest moments. Uh, also in that was, was one of the, when he was assassinated. Uh, JFK was another one, JFK being assassinated. So it was all these moments. And, and one of the ones that I didn't, I didn't even remember, uh, and maybe some, and I can remember exactly where we're at. We were either at Universal Studios or we were at Disney World when the Pulse shooting, the, the, the nightclub Pulse in Orlando happened. And, and the reason it, was, it made the top 10, it was it's the largest group of people that were ever killed, a mass murder in one place in the United States. There was 49 people murdered and 50 injured. And they get to the done and they said, now that's the 10 greatest moments. And I'm like, you got, y'all, y'all miss one. Like, y- y'all, mi- y'all miss the greatest moment in history. You missed the moment that changed everything. It changed culture. It changed art. It changed music. It changed theater. It changed, it changes our calendar. It, it, it's how we speak. It changed everything. And y'all missed it. We, we read about it in, in Mark chapter 16. It says, when the Sabbath was passed. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, they bought spices so that they may have, go anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying, they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for, uh, for, for us? That's the entrance of the tomb. And looking up, they saw the stone had already been rolled back. It was 
It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell the disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. They, the, there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and they fled from the tomb for tre- trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. How does that get wrapped up with other stuff? How, how does that get missed? It's almost like, it's almost like the world just kind of goes through a series of check. Like we're going to check this off. We're going to go to, we're going to, we're going to celebrate Easter. We're going to celebrate Christmas. And it's almost just like Santa Claus, like Jesus becomes like Santa Claus in the Easter bunny. And before you know, we forgot. And, and I'm telling you, if it wasn't for the resurrection, Jesus's name becomes about as familiar as Thaddeus. Anybody know who Thaddeus is? My point. Because Thaddeus walked the planet the same time Jesus did. As a matter of fact, he claimed to be Messiah. He actually claimed, and, and, and the prophecies of the Old Testament were written about him. He was arrested the same exact way that Jesus was. He was persecuted the same exact way Jesus. He was set up in a criminal's court where literally had no, there was no way he was going to be set free, just like Jesus. And he was hung on a cross, just like Jesus did. The only thing he didn't do was resurrect himself from the grave. See what happened when Thaddeus was killed, all his followers, they abandoned him. And if you want to know the truth, it started out that way with Jesus, didn't it? Even before Jesus' death, they started abandoning. We know that Judas betrays him. We know that Peter, I mean, Peter, y'all. Like, if you don't know much about Peter, Jesus spoke a, a, a life into his life and said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell. I mean, he was instilling vision in him. But a couple of days later, he denied Jesus. One by one, even at the cross, what we're celebrating today, one by one, they peeled away, leaving literally the mother of Jesus. But something happened, y'all. Something happened in the time after the resurrection that changed the course of history. I've heard it said that people don't die for lies and people would not put their life on the line for a lie. And after the resurrection, one by one, every one of the disciples started, started working their way back. And as a matter of fact, instead of getting weaker and less, less important, they got more important. And they literally changed the world. And the things that we read about thousands of years later are because of the transformation that happened in the disciples' life because of the greatest event that ever happened in history, and that's the resurrection. Somebody should say amen to that. That's important. It's important. See, the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection, honestly, it proved that Jesus is the way to God. Not a way to God. He didn't say I was a way of God. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest conversations in history happens that night. It's the night before the crucifixion. Uh, At this point, Jesus had already washed the disciples' feet. And Jesus had already taken off the robes of righteousness. He had bent down and every one of the disciples, he had washed their feet. He had already predicted that Judas was gonna, that Judas was gonna betray him for some pieces of silver. He literally said, the one that kisses me is gonna be the one. He had already talked about Peter, that Peter was gonna deny him. 
And then he starts this conversation. And imagine this, the founder of your religion, everything you've invested your life in is now saying he's going away. He's going, you know something? I'm not gonna be here much longer. And Thomas kind of pipes up and goes, where are you going? This is the dialogue that happens in John chapter 14, verse one. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there's many rooms. If it were not so, I would told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That, that where I am, you will be also. And you know, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says this, Lord, we don't know where we're going. We, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except for through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. So from, from now on, you do know him and he and, and, and have seen him. And what he's saying is, and literally Jesus is saying, I am God. Do you know why Jesus got murdered? It wasn't the fact that he was nice and he was a liberator and he was bringing, it was because he claimed to be God. Every time he claimed to be God, every time he made a comment that I am, I am the way, the truth, and life, or I am the great doorkeeper, or I am the shepherd, or I am whatever, I am the, I am the bread of life. All the religious people went back to what happened with Moses back in Exodus chapter three. He was claiming to be God. And you know what's interesting about this passage? Jesus is literally addressing one of the very human instincts that all of us have. It's to know where we're going and when we're gonna get there. Don't tell me it's not true. Just about every person in this room, down at our Sherwood campus, over in our, over in our atrium watching online, most all of us have GPSs on our phone or in our car. Why? Because we want to know where we're going and when we're going to get there. It, there's even this little thing in, in, in some of the apps that says estimated time of arrival. That's a challenge. It's a race. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Florida and I was leaving, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why I was down there in a second, but I was leaving down there. And it popped up that it was like five hours and, 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 and 10 minutes. And I said, challenge accepted. Like I'm going to do five hours in nine minutes and I'm going to be the wiener. Like I'm going to win everything. We all want to know where we're going and how we're going to get there. So I, I was in Florida. Um, if you don't know much about me, um, I, I'm big into fishing and I'm big into hunting. And I love golf, but um, I, I, I am on a quest it sounds, I'm on a quest, I'm on a vision quest to um, kill four turkeys, um, four different areas, regions of the world, um, uh, the United States. Osceola is in Florida. Uh, the, the Eastern is um, in Georgia and South Carolina and all that. The Rio is in Texas and in out West, there's one called a Merriam. So this year, I'm actually, I'm hoping. So I was down there trying to get my Osceola turkey and I, and I got recommended a guide down there and we're gonna go in the swamps of Florida to go kill this Osceola. By the way, I did not kill one. I gotta go back next week to try to do it again. But so we're, but, but, but my, my buddy, it's actually my cousin, my wife's cousin tells me, listen, he's a little hard to understand. Well, I didn't think he was gonna be, he was, he was a cross between Judah and, 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 and Phil Robertson, the duck commander. And, and like, I couldn't, under, like the first time I said, okay, so what, his name is uh, Martin. I said, Martin, where are we going? He goes, we're going to go to Polacco. We're going to go somewhere. And he goes, stay. <laughs> what? Slow down, big boy. So he, he, what he said was, and I'm not going to do it the whole message, like talk like him because like it hurts. But 
but we're, we're, so he was telling me to go to Palatka and I was going to stay at the Hampton Inn. And then I was going to meet him eight miles in this little town called Hastings. I was going to meet him at like five o'clock in the morning. I have never met this guy before in my life. He comes pulling in. He calls it the turkey kill wagon. And it's this old beat up Bronco that things are falling. It's just nastified. I mean, it's awful. And he steps out and he's got a beard about this long. He's got hair all over the place. And I'm thinking serial killer at this point. And so, so he comes up, hey, Bobby, how you doing? We gonna go kill some turkeys. All right, not sure what you said. And so he's like, follow, follow me. And I was like, okay. So we, we ride down the road and we park at his camp and we get to the camp and he goes, we're gonna, we, I'm not gonna do it anymore because you guys are gonna, but we're gonna walk down this path right here. We're gonna walk five, six, 700 yards in this path, but there's swamp on both sides. And by the way, there's snakes on both sides and there's alligators on both sides. I am thrilled to death to be there right now. So, I don't like, I don't like dark. Anybody else? Like just mass confection. We'll have a small group starting about this. I don't like dark. I don't like dark things. So, so he goes, okay, follow me. So I'm following him. We're walking through the swamp and, and, and it got real, 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 real dark. Like, you know, when I like a swamp dark, like bad dark. And I have a headlamp and I got two flashlights. I look like I can land an airplane right now. And he goes, you got to shut that thing off. What? He goes, you should shut that down. Wait, we're going to go where they live. What he said was, you got to shut that thing off because we're going where they live. And I said, how am I going to see? And he said, follow me. I was so close to him. I think there was a couple of times I touched his butt. <laughs> because I wanted to know where I was going and when I was going, if I was going to get there. What's interesting, it reminded me of a story. It's a story about a missionary. And the missionary was in Africa. And he went to one of the Africa tribesmen and he said, listen, I want to go to this other, this other tribe. They're, they're unevangelized. They've never heard about Jesus. And so they're kind of making their, their way through the forest and the jungle. And the guy in the front is beating all these bushes down. He's taking the machete. And every once in a while, a guy says, where are we going? And he just said, he turned around and his native language, he said, Bawana. And a couple minutes later, the guy would say where we're going. So finally, the guy got aggravated and he turned around and he said, Bawana. And he goes, I don't know what Bawana means. He said, all I want to know is what's the way. And Bawana means I am the way. And all he was telling him was to follow him. That's exactly what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father. If you want to know how to get to the Father, You've already met him. You met Jesus. He also calls himself the shepherd or the door. And we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. And the door is not a door like it's on the hinge, like we think a door was a place after a rock wall was built in a circle. They would bring the sheep in and there was an open space. And the open space is where literally the shepherd would sit to keep the sheep safe. So things couldn't come in and the sheep couldn't go out. Do you want to know why? Now, I used to work on a farm when I was growing up and we had sheep on the farm. And let me tell you what sheep are. Sheep are dumb. And it's interesting to me that the Bible parallels us to sheep. Because shiny things make us happy. Because things that really don't matter in life make us happy. That we get off track very easily, don't we? Don't we? See, Jesus says this in John 10, Truly, truly, I say to you, he does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. The man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. To sheep, the, the sheep hear his voice. 
the sheep hear a voice and he calls his own sheep by their names and, and leads them out. And we, when he's brought all, uh, all of them out, all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for he know, they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of a stranger, the figure of speech used when, with them, but they did not understand what they were saying. Verse seven is so pivotal. So Jesus said, don't again, truly, truly, I say that I am the door of the sheep. I'm the one that stands in the gap. I am the one that protects my sheep. I'm the one that makes sure that danger doesn't come their way. I had a conversation this past week with a, with a young man and it's interesting and I love these conversations and they're happening more and more and more. And I believe this is a sign that we're on the verge of something big in our world. But there's people asking more and more spiritual questions than I've had probably in the last 25 or 30 years. I think what the world has to offer, people are getting upset with and it's not bringing them satisfaction. So they're trying to find something. And he said, Bobby, why did God give us the 10 commandments? Was it, was it because he didn't want us like, it was do's and don'ts. And I said, no, God gave us the 10 commandments to keep us safe. Because when we follow his, his, his law, when we follow the, 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 the 10 commandments, we, we were in a safe place, we're in fellowship with him. We're not out of fellowship. He says, I am the door in verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill, destroy. But I... I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, Jesus claimed to be God and he did something that other religious leaders couldn't do. You know what it was? Rose from the dead. Confucius didn't, Buddha didn't, Muhammad didn't. As a matter of fact, they never even claimed to be God. They just claimed to be prophets of God. Jesus did what he claimed to be God. He claimed that he has always existed. He claimed that he will always exist. And he claimed that that, the creation belonged to him and that someday he would rule the world. That was his claims. You know why? Because he was God. And you know what? When we read the story of Jesus, when we look at those I am statements, now, now this may hurt some feelings and I'm sorry if you came to, came to journey to hear this like, you know, like fluffy little Melba toast, you know, like Nella wafer and banana pudding and all that. Jesus's claims to be God, listen to this. If we believe that, we have to abandon the thought that all religions lead to the same place. We can't, we can't, it, it, just being sincere is not gonna get us to heaven. Trying to do good is not getting us to heaven. The only way we can get to heaven is by knowing Jesus Christ, the resurrected King. And that's what we're here to celebrate. John 10, nine says this. He said, I am the door, not a door, not a couple doors that you choose three, like the, you know, the price is right or something. This, he says, I am the only way. Not only do you say that, that I'm the way, he said this. He said, the resurrection, and I believe this, the resurrection proved that no situation was beyond God's power. No no situation, not not then nor now. Even though, think about this for a second. Even though on the surface, it appears that the death of Jesus put an end to all of Jesus's promises to his followers. Could you imagine investing three years, your life into following this guy, Jesus, and then all of a sudden he dies? I mean, we see that they were dismantled. We, we know they went all, but even after the resurrection, they didn't recognize that Jesus was still with them. There's a story in Luke chapter 24 where they're on the road to Emmaus and there's two people in the front and Jesus walks up to them and they're bawling. They're telling the stories. They're telling of what happened. And Jesus goes, what are y'all upset about? And they turn around. Could you imagine saying, have you not heard? Basically they said, are you an idiot? Have you not heard what happened? 
the founder of our religion was crucified and he's dead now. He's in a, he's in a tomb. And Jesus said, I'm right here. See, nothing is beyond God's power. Even when it doesn't look good, even when it, doesn't, it looks messed up, even if it appears that God's lost and the devil won, even, even at the end of his life ran contrary to what everyone else expected was going to happen, even though they believed the Messiah would, would, would usher in some political king, even though the hardest thing to understand, that God was the mastermind of this plan. Think about that for a second. But God had a plan. Not your plan. Not my plan. See, the death of Jesus Christ would pay the price for the sins of the entire world. Every one of them. Through the death, all creation, where it was broken down, back at the garden, reconciliation was about to happen when Jesus died on that cross and when he rose from the dead. Through his death, the power of death was defeated. And through his resurrection, he would be proven to be the Messiah, the thing he's been proving all along. See, God wasn't finished. But I'll tell you this, I'll be honest with you. Like Good Friday service, I told you, Pastor Keith brought it, man, I'm telling you. But even Friday night, I was thinking, if you didn't know the end of the story, it's a little overwhelming, isn't it? Like I watched like the Passions of the Christ and all that, and I got to shut them off. I mean, I, I don't know about anybody else. Like I should, I get a lump in my throat because like I'm like, and, and it's not that I don't want to celebrate what happened on Good Friday. It's still kind of weird to me that we call it Good Friday, right? Like, hey, it's Good Friday. Somebody died. But it's good because we know that Sunday's coming. See, the problem with most of us, the problem with the people back then, it was Friday. It was Friday. Their dreams and aspirations were dashed. The vision was dashed. The thought of a political, you know, political power coming right, it was dashed. All that stuff was dashed. But Sunday happened. The resurrection happened. And because of the resurrection, it's made the word hopeless, obsolete. It's, it, it's made the word impossible, meaningless. And thank you, Jesus. It's made the word despair, powerless. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus. See, Jesus was brought back to the dead. And I believe this. If he can bring, if the power of Jesus uh, could bring him back to life, and he promised us the power in our lives, it can bring us back to life. Listen to what it says in Romans 8. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life. Your mortal, body, your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Can I ask a real honest question this morning? I'm almost done. We're going to close in like five minutes. But what's dead in you right now? A relationship? A dream? A desire? A goal? A vision? A job? A career? What's dead in you? What seems like it's in the tomb? Can I say this? It's Friday. But Sunday's coming. When you put your trust in God, and here's the thing. I don't know the exact direction of everything, but I do know that if I put my trust in him, he'll lead me where I need to go. Amen? You the third thing. We're going to close right here. The resurrection. Prove that God's forgiveness and restoration are available.
to everybody. I want you to read this with different lenses today. Mark chapter 16, verse seven says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. It doesn't say go tell the disciples and James. Go tell the disciples and and, and Nathaniel or Bartholomew, or go tell John. It says, go tell the disciples and Peter. And at first glance, you go, wow, that's, that's kind of peculiar. Why did he say Peter, nobody else? But if you understand Jesus, it makes perfect sense. See, Peter publicly had the biggest mess up out of all the disciples. In the moment where he had the opportunity to stand up for Jesus, he denies him three times. He denies him three times. I believe that, that Peter thought that he was washed up, that even if the resurrection really did happen, there was no way that Jesus would reinstate him. And I believe the apostles, the other apostles were going, there is no way that Jesus is gonna reinstate Peter. There's no way. He denied, we, at least we just left and didn't say anything. And Jesus gathers all his disciples and they're all talking. And Peter's over there in the corner. Could you imagine this scene? And he sees, they catch eyes. Peter. See, we read about this in John 21. Peter. Do you love me? Do, do you love me? And could you imagine the amount of remorse at that moment that Peter has when he says, you know I do. You know I do. No, no. Let me ask you again. Peter, do you love me? Peter, let's get this straight. Do you love me? Jesus, I love you with everything. Yes, I love you. And the third time, theologians say the reason he asked them three times is because the three denials. He said, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Now think about this. This is the same one that, that was asked the question earlier on in scripture. Who do men say I am? They say, some say you're a great prophet. Some say Elias. Some say Moses. He goes, who do you say I am? You're the son, the, lo- the, the, the son of Christ, the living, the living God. And he goes, that was not known to you. That was given to you by the spirit. And he said, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the reinstatement proves that God forgives everybody, regardless of how big our sin is, regardless of how the things, and you know what that's called? That's called grace. See, we don't understand grace because we don't offer it very often. Let me explain grace. This is what grace looks like. A father and a son are riding down the road in their truck in the country. And a bumblebee flies in the window. And a little boy is frantic. He goes crazy. And the reason he's going crazy, he's highly allergic. If he gets bit by this bumblebee, they will have to take him right to the hospital. He'll go into all kinds of seizures and all kinds of problems. The dad looks over the son frantic. And without even thinking, he reaches out and he grabs the bumblebee in his hand and he throws it out the window. For some strange reason, the wind blew it right back in. The boy was calm for a couple of minutes when he saw what his dad was doing, but now he's frantic again. The dad pulls the truck over and he looks at him. He says, why are you so, what's going on? He said, dad, if that bumblebee bites me, if it stings me, I could die. And the dad looks the son in the eyes and he opens his hands up. And he said, see that right there? I took the sting for you. I took the sting for you. That's grace. 
that Jesus took the sting of death for us. One of the greatest writers, C.S. Lewis, was asked the question. He said, what makes Christianity unique? And without a pause, he said, grace. Grace. I'll explain it like this. Every other religion, the leader wants something from the followers. Wants them to do something. Penance, they have to walk, they have to do certain things. Christianity, the deity did something for their followers. There's nothing they can do. It was paid in full. And the resurrection proved that he can do that. His claims were true. Amen? We're going to do something in a second. I'm going to ask you all to stand up with me. We're going to be led in a song here, a song that we've sang around Journey. Some, if you don't know it, the words are going to be on the screen, but can we do something different today? Can we make this a prayer? Not, not just a song we sing. Can we make this a prayer? Because there's all types of people in this room. There's all people, all types of people down at Sherwood. There's all people, all types of people over in our atrium. They're all different stages of life. Some, some today may be the reality of Jesus, in fact, who he said he was. But let's make it more than just a checkbox. Like we go to Mimas for dinner. We go to church. We celebrate Easter. We do that. Let's have a conversation with the Father. And let's ask the Father. Don't ask the people around. Ask the Father, are we okay? Like, this is the first time I heard this. Like, are we okay? And listen, there's no special room. We're not going to make you fill out a card or anything like that. Not yet. But today, you and him have a conversation. That's it. Maybe today you, you've come here and something's in the tomb. It's Friday. Now, I don't know how it all plays out, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know how it all works out. I just know this. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called into His purpose. That's a promise. Just like the promises we read during worship, that's a promise. I want you to stand on that promise. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, right now in this moment, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would come into this moment. This moment is not about a singer. It's not about a song. It's, not, it's about the one we're singing to. It's about the one who came back from the dead and can save our lives. God, I pray today you are honored with everything that was said and done and that people today would make this song their hearts cry. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.